Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up right now. Thank you. 
We would like to welcome you to, I guess we could call it the uh, Family Day edition of <laughs> the Jazz Show. Yes, uh, that's the holiday today, and it's only in British Columbia. Um, I think next week the rest of Canada takes a holiday, but uh, for us, it's a statutory holiday. Thank you very much. Um, we all know who uh, instituted the holiday, so I don't have to say anything. My name, though, is Gavin Walker, and you are listening to The Jazz Show. And uh, this is uh, the beginning of the Family Day edition of The Jazz Show. Our jazz feature tonight is one of the pioneers of modern jazz, drummer Max Roach. But uh, after we um, play the jazz feature, we're going to be doing a, one of my very closest friends uh, celebrated his uh, 83rd birthday um, a few days ago on February 3rd. I'm talking about saxophone great John Handy. And uh, Handy and I had a great conversation on his birthday he had just returned from a jazz cruise that uh, he and his wife do every year. And somehow um, the, we, we got uh, into our conversation about the record industry. And, of course, uh, John, uh, unfortunately, when he was a young man in New York, when he uh, was getting known, when he, played his, uh, when he first played with Charles Mingus, um, Handy's profile, of course, immediately went uh, went up, and he was offered uh, a record contract by Roulette Records, and he recorded his first album under his own name, and Roule uh, he actually recorded three for the label, but only two were released, and uh, a third was released years and years later, but uh, unfortunately, um, back in those days, you somebody offered you a record contract you you just signed the dotted line and said yeah you know this is this is great and of course had john been a little more aware of of some of the vagaries of the record business he probably wouldn't have signed that contract anyway uh that really changed his mind about uh once he found out certain things he wasn't uh getting any royalties on the tunes and uh royalties on the sales of the records or anything like that he began to <laughs> Uh, he soured very quickly on the uh, the record industry, and of course, uh, uh, a lot of the record industry uh, were, was run by rather uh, dubious folks, and um, jazz records were always, unless they were run by uh, labels like Prestige or Riverside, Warren Keep News, or, or uh, folks like that, Blue Note, um, other companies, uh, jazz music was just a, a, a very secondary thing that they released. They were looking for the big money in, in, in pop music and so on. Anyway, that's, uh, that's another story. So uh, during our conversation, we talked about his, his very first record under his own name, which I, I um, said, you know, was a damn good record. And uh, he said that he had just recently played one of the tunes from it and couldn't remember the title. So he he hummed it to me over the phone, and I said, yeah, that's the tune. That's quote-unquote. And, uh, he, oh, he said, I just couldn't think of the title of the tune. He said, uh, uh, you know, he said, I, I played it in the quartet setting, so I didn't have to play it. I didn't have to show the music to any other, any other 
person, and I could re- tell the piano player what chords to play, but, oh, I couldn't think of the name of the tune. Thank you. <laughs> so there you go. Um, anyway, long story short, um, I'm, I'm circulating here. Uh, we're going to play some tunes from John Handy's very first album that he did for Roulette Records. It's a great cover, a great picture of John playing his alto. And um, this album is wonderful. We're, we're going to be doing that after the jazz feature. And it's a rather elusive album. It's not a common album, unfortunately. It should be. The music on it is first rate. And um, there's, some, there's some great players on here. And so we're going to do that after the jazz feature. Play John Handy's very first album under his own name. But our jazz feature involves... Maxwell Lemuel Roach, Max Roach, born January 10th, 1924 in North Carolina, a very small town, moved to New York when he was a young man. Max died August 16th, 2007. Max, of course, uh, most people know was one of the pioneers of modern jazz. Uh, His drumming set the standard for modern jazz drumming. And Max was a, a virtuoso musician, very well-versed in, in other kinds of music. He studied at the Manhattan School of Music um, and educated himself, basically, um, as well as carried on uh, his duties as a band leader, which was, began in about 1953. He led some of the most groundbreaking groups in jazz music over his long career, and Max Roach was a very proud man. He was a very, very handsome man. Uh, behind the drums, I, I remember seeing Max Roach in San Francisco uh, for the first time, and I was just amazed at his grace and, and agility and his, the beauty of just watching Max behind the drums. He was, he was like watching a great ballet dancer, movement of the hands and the feet and the expressions on his face. Um, you know, a lot of drummers are grimace and, and, and make all kinds of facial expressions. Max Roach's face is, was extremely passive, and yet the hands were moving like lightning uh, over the drum kit. It is quite a sight to, uh, to actually watch Max Roach, never mind listen to his playing. Um, as I said, Max was a very proud man, very, very proud of his African-American heritage. And he kept up with uh, the news, civil rights, uh, all that sort of stuff. But it didn't really enter into his music until about 1959. And all of a sudden, a light bulb went on in Max's head. And he was thinking about the place of great African-American musicians, specifically jazz musicians, This is why I'm going to play this recording, because it is Black History Month, and this recording has um, quite a bit to do with black history. And Max Roach was one of the the people whose music really involves that. Now, Max had this revelation, and he thought about Clifford Brown, and, and another member of his band, Richie Powell, Bud Powell's brother, dying in an automobile accident. They were traveling on a rain-slicked highway thousands of miles to the next gig. 
Max thought about that. You know, he, 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 he was thinking, here we are, some of the greatest jazz musicians in the world, and we have to do this, and we have to play in, in um, clubs that look like upholstered toilets, that sort of thing, instead of concert halls and high-end clubs that are clean, have dressing rooms and facilities. Why? And he thought about that. And he thought about it very deeply and, and, and realized that, you know, jazz has always been, always been uh, treated as a second-class citizen in the United States, very much like black people. And he also thought about the creators of jazz music, the majority being African-Americans. Max wasn't that much of, uh, of a narrow-minded individual that's, that, that uh, said only African-Americans can play jazz. Max also realized that white musicians suffered just as much. They didn't get it racially, but they suffered economically playing jazz and had to go through the same things. So Max wasn't narrow-minded that way. He was, he was very open that way and, and um, realized. Anyway... All of this came into Max's mind, and he, he decided at, the, at some point in 1959 that he was never, ever going to play music that didn't have some kind of social um, significance and meaning, and also music that was unaware of the developments in civil rights. And so his music changed. And Max made a, began that whole odyssey with a great recording, which has been featured, uh, which w we have done for several years. It's a recording, still controversial, called Freedom Now Sweet. That was the beginning. This record we're going to hear tonight is, was the second. It comes after the Freedom Now Sweet. Max Roach signed a, a contract with Impulse Records, which was a brand new and adventurous jazz label, and Max signed a, um, a short contract with them and recorded two wonderful albums for Impulse. And this was the first one. And so this was the logical follow-up to Max's album, The Freedom Now Suite. Tonight's album is called Percussion Bitter Suite. And it features uh, Max Roach and his jazz ensemble. And I'll run down the personnel and... Basically, what we're going to hear is um, very vital and very interesting and very political uh, music. But it's Max Roach's music, so music comes first. It's not just about civil rights. It's not just about being angry uh, and concerned with um, the plight of the African-American people, but it does have that sort of significance. The people involved here, of course, Max Roach is on drums and the leader. On trumpet, a musician, uh, unfortunately ill-fated. He was only 23 when he died, a virtuoso trumpet player from Memphis. A young man, Booker Little. And Booker didn't die of uh, drugs and so on, as so many jazz musicians have. Booker had um, died of uremic poisoning, which is a disease of the kidneys. 
sad to say. It was a congenital disease. On trombone, someone who is still very much with us and I'm in contact with, a wonderful man, Julian Priester, on trombone. Um, on tenor saxophone, the late, great voice of the tenor, Clifford Jordan. And, of course, one of the most incredible musicians who ever lived. We'll hear him on alto saxophone, bass clarinet, and flute. And I'm talking about the late and wonderful Eric Dolphy. On piano, one of my favorites, Mal Waldron. And on bass, a gentleman that went on to a great career, not only in jazz but in symphony orchestras, Dr. Arthur Davis, Art Davis on bass. And when you hear them, there's some added percussionists on several of the tunes. They don't play on every tune, but if you hear uh, extra drums and uh, timbales and extra percussion, the conga drum is played by the great Carlos Patato Valdez from Cuba, and the other percussion and timbales is played by another Carlos Totico Eugenio, also from Cuba. The album was recorded in New York uh, over three dates in August of 1961. And we're going to open with two tunes that feature Max Roach's new wife of the time, the great vocalist Abby Lincoln. And on the first tune, she sings wordless. And on the second tune, you hear the words um, of the song that were written by Max Roach. So we, we open with those two tunes. And the first tune is dedicated to one of the early champions of civil rights and um, an amazing man who lived in the teens and 20s, Marcus Garvey. And the, the piece of music is called Garvey's Ghost, dedicated to Marcus Garvey. And that's the wordless vocal. Abby sings along with the horns, and it, it, the, the tune is very haunting. The second tune is very direct, and words by Mr. Roach, and sung with bitter authority by Abby Lincoln. The tune is called Mendacity, and I dedicate that to many of our politicians, this side of the border and the other side. And that's it for uh, Miss Lincoln's contribution. Uh, we move then to um, a piece of music by Max Roach called Mama is tune number three. And then a, a beautiful tune that features Eric Dolphy on flute and bass clarinet, a tune dedicated to all the young men and women fighting for civil rights at the time, sit-ins, all this kind of stuff that was going on in the South. The tune is entitled Tender Warriors. Second, uh, after Tender Warriors, tune number five is entitled Praise for a Martyr. And that's dedicated to, and he was still very much alive, just beginning to get things happening Dr. Martin Luther King, and it was dedicated to Dr. King. The final tune is dedicated to all the people in South Africa who were fighting for their freedom, and it's called simply The Man from South Africa, and that features Eric Dolphy on flute and some great alto saxophone work. So that's the album, six tunes, all composed and arranged by Max Roach.
Once again, the personnel, Booker Little on trumpet, Julian Priester trombone, Eric Dolphy on alto saxophone, flute and bass clarinet, Clifford Jordan on tenor saxophone, Mel Waldron on piano, and Art Davis on bass. And the percussion is Patato Valdez on conga drums and Totico Eugenio on timbales and percussion. So we begin the music now, and we are going to begin the set with Garvey's Ghost. Our jazz feature this evening, the music of Max Roach from the album Percussion Bitter Sweet.
But if I tried in certain states From treetops I'd be tied Mendacity, mendacity It seems is everywhere But try and tell the truth
our jazz feature this evening. The music and the vision of Mr. Max Roach, one of the distinguished jazz pioneers. And this is from an album, uh, a series of two albums that he did for the uh, Impulse label. And this was the first one entitled Percussion Bittersweet. And it was recorded um, over three sessions in August of 1961. And Max Roach led his ensemble with some great, of course, some great people. The young and sadly ill-fated trumpeter Booker Little, Julian Priester on trombone, who is still with us, and the late great Eric Dolphy playing alto saxophone, flute, and bass clarinet. Clifford Jordan, one of the strong voices of the tenor saxophone. Mel Waldron on piano, and Art Davis, Arthur Davis on bass. And if you heard them, um, percussion instruments played by Carlos Patato Valdez on conga drum, and other percussion and timbales were played by Carlos Tatico Eugenio. And the compositions, all arranged and composed, of course, by Max Roach. And we open with the very haunting Garvey's Ghost, dedicated to the great, uh, one of the early great civil rights leaders, Marcus Garvey. And um, that featured a wordless vocal by Max's wife of the time, Abby Lincoln. And uh, she harmonized um, in unison with the horns on that piece, creating quite a haunting effect, and hence the title, Garvey's Ghost. Second tune, of course, was pretty direct, words by Max Roach and the vocal by Abby Lincoln. Talk about bittersweet. And an amazing alto saxophone solo by Eric Dolphy that reflected the anger of the tune. And, of course, uh, Max Roach's incredible drumming. And the tune was entitled Mendacity, dedicated to politicians, at least many of them. Tune number three was um, a Roach composition straight ahead called Mama. Then we heard uh, a wonderful tune dedicated to uh, young civil rights uh, men and women that uh, went and risked their lives in the southern United States uh, at sit-ins, getting voters' rights together, all that kind of stuff. And Max dedicated that tune to them and called it Tender Warriors. And we heard uh, a lovely piano solo on it by Mal Waldron, which to me is one of the highlights of the album. Um, Then the next tune was uh, dedicated to Martin Luther King, who was just kind of beginning his odyssey in the South, and um, that was entitled Praise for a Martyr. That was tune number five. And the final tune was an uplifting piece uh, in uh, 7-4 time, and it was entitled The Man from South Africa. So that was the album, Percussion Bittersweet, the first of two that uh, Max Roach did for the uh, Impulse label. And I think we featured the um, second one, uh, which is called, I can't think of the title, but we did feature it uh, several months ago 
uh, on on the show, and it featured uh, Max Roach's ensemble with a choir, and uh, we did that whole album, and um, it's it's quite uh, quite an experience. He did two for that label, and then um, he ran into some difficulties with the label. They wanted him to. I don't know, uh, make some compromises in the music and so on. And Max Roach just said, no, I'm out of here. I'm not going to renew the contract. Forget it. And uh, he didn't. And actually, he was banned because of his militant stance. Uh, He was banned from all recording industry in the United States in the 60s and didn't get a contract until he signed one with Atlantic Records in 1965. So... There you go. That shows you what uh, sometimes uh, a vision, a view, and an opinion can get you. Anyway, that's a uh, story. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the jazz feature, some, um, some powerful music by Max Roach, one of the great pioneers of modern jazz. You are listening to CITR FM 101.9. And this is, of course, The Jazz Show. And my name's Gavin Walker, and we're going to carry on with uh, a couple of messages. Uh, Then we're going to get into some music by a very dear friend of mine who I just uh, talked to on his birthday on February 3rd, and we had a great great time discussing everything under the sun. And we're going to hear some music by John Handy. John Handy and his very first recording entitled In the Vernacular. And we're going to get to that in just a very few moments. So stay with us. We're counting down the days till Fun Drive 2016. This year, our theme is growing our cultures. And it all starts on February 25th with a rad kickoff party in the pit pub and a week-long on-air telethon. Support your community station by donating to help us support training for volunteers and promote the multitude of cultures on our airwaves. The online donation page goes live on February 15th, so keep an eye out for your chance to donate and get cool CITR swag. On February 11th, Vancouver's own So Loki will be celebrating their Super Manic album release with a party alongside Bandpass Magazine at the Biltmore Cabaret for a Chinese New Year celebration you won't want to miss. Tickets are $10 at the door or click attending on the Facebook event for $8 guest list. You're listening to CITR 101.9 broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. John Handy. John Handy the third, as a matter of fact. Uh, he used to sign his checks that, that way because he actually is the third. I never did meet uh, his dad, but um, I did meet his mom, who only passed away a, a few years ago. She was a delightful lady. And um, this recording was done in late 1959 in New York City for R- Roulette Records, and uh, it was a signing that John 
later on regretted um, because uh, Roulette was kind of a flaky jazz label and oh, all kinds of stuff, but uh, it kind of put them off from the whole recording industry. Sad to say. And um, so, but still, this recording is really good. And we were talking about it on the phone, and I, and, uh, I, I think I related a very funny story how he um, uh, had recently on a gig played a tune, but he couldn't think of the title of the tune. And he, he, uh, he hummed it to me on the phone, and I said, oh, that's, that's quote, unquote. And, and he, oh, man, I couldn't think of it. I couldn't, I couldn't call the title, so I just called it Theme X. <laughs> so uh, he said, ah, that's the, that's the title of the tune. He couldn't remember what it was, um, although he was able to relate it to the piano player. And he said, thank God I wasn't playing with another horn because, you know, it would have taken a long time to learn the tune, and it's quite in- intricate. So regardless. Anyway, this is, was John's very first album. He, was, um, he had finished uh, his actually you know john is is most famous really i think for working with charles mingus because he recorded um two uh actually more than two albums with with charles mingus but he was only with mingus for about 6 months but he made an impression on on the great mr mingus as well and mingus had a lot of respect for john and his uh his intelligence and his uh, musical knowledge and his talents of course and uh, John appeared on uh, on two of Mingus's best-selling albums, and of course recorded that immortal solo, which was document has been documented and played time and time again. And Joni Mitchell wrote lyrics for the for that solo on uh, Mingus's great piece called "Goodbye Pork Pie Hat," and John Handy's tenor saxophone solo on there is 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 just worth the price of the album, and. Um, so John became famous working with Mingus, but he, as I said, he only worked with him for six months at that time, and he moved on and worked with pianist Randy Weston. Um, but uh, after working with those two band leaders, of course, his, uh, his reputation grew in New York, and he uh, was in demand uh, playing his own music and so on. And, of course, this recording opportunity came up for Roulette Records. And so he made this first album. John is going to be heard on alto and tenor saxophone. Uh, he told me one time that Mingus preferred him on tenor, but John is basically an alto saxophonist. That is his his favorite instrument, but he's um, more than competent on uh, tenor saxophone. He plays soprano saxophone, flute, and clarinet as well, and uh, and plays all of them beautifully. Uh, Don, my friend Don Thompson calls John Handy the Art Tatum of the alto saxophone, which is a, a one hell of a compliment because Art Tatum is one of the world's great uh, musicians, and uh, to hand that to John is quite a compliment. John assembled some great people here, uh, including Sir Roland Hanna, another Aquarian on piano. Sir Roland Hanna, of course, was working on and off with Charles Mingus at the time, and um, on trumpet, which we won't hear after, which we will hear after the first two tunes, which feature John in a quartet setting, the trumpet is Notes Williams, Richard Williams, one of my favorites, a strong, assertive trumpet player, who John met while when Richard was living in San Francisco back in the late fifties, 
and uh, they played together in Mingus's band. So there was a um, kind of a good feeling between these two uh, great players. Uh, on drums is the great Roy Haynes, who is still very much with us. And on bass, one of my favorites, a gentleman who studied with Mingus, got a great sound on bass, sad to say died of a brain aneurysm in 1965, and we lost a, a wonderful bass player by the name of George Tucker. And uh, he had a nickname. We, everybody used to call him Friar Tuck. So uh, George Tucker on bass. We're going to hear two standards to open the set. The first one is a great tune, a uh, standard tune called I'll Close My Eyes, and that features John on tenor saxophone. And the second one is a wonderful tune that uh, Frank Sinatra made famous, and John's going to switch to alto on that tune, and, and it, the tune is I'll Never Smile Again, two great standard tunes. Then we bring in Richard Williams on trumpet, and uh, makes it a quintet, and we're going to hear the tune that I had to, uh, that John had to sing to me, so I could give him the title. And the tune is entitled "Quote Unquote," and that's John's original composition. Then we're going to hear the title track of the album, which is a blues, of course, called "Blues in the Vernacular." And the final tune we're going to hear is dedicated to John's first wife, whose name was Bunky. And um, I only met Bunky once, but uh, when John returned um, to San Francisco in 19, late 1962 from New York, he wanted to come back and finish his degree at San Francisco State College. He had one credit to get, and uh, there were some things that happened in New York that he decided to return to San Francisco. And unfortunately, the marriage between him and Bunky uh, had broken down at that time. I didn't meet John until 1964, and so I only met Bunky once, and uh, she was a very fine lady, and she had, she had, by that time, when I had met her, she had remarried. But he wrote the, this tune dedicated to her, and uh, that's the last tune we're going to hear, and it's called Dance to the Lady, and it's one of John's most charming compositions. So I hope you enjoy my good friend, John Handy, and we open with him on tenor saxophone, and I'll close my eyes. Sir Roland Hanna on piano, George Tucker on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums.
We heard a series of pieces from uh, John Handy in his very first album that he recorded for Roulette Records back in late 1959. And we heard John, of course, on alto and tenor saxophone with Sir Roland Hanna at the piano, George Tucker on bass, and Roy Haynes, Mr. Snap Crackle, on drums. And if you heard a trumpet, that was Richard Williams, one of the greats, and uh, I think one of the unsung greats as well. He was one of Mingus's favorite trumpet players, powerhouse player, and uh, played lots of notes. So that's how he came about his nickname, which was Notes. Everybody said, hey, man, Notes, what's happening, man? And uh, that was his nickname. We heard two standard tunes to open where John took the lead on, on both of them. Uh, the first one, he, was, he played on tenor saxophone, and that's a standard tune called I'll Close My Eyes. And the second tune was a tune by Ruth Lowe that Frank Sinatra put on the map. The tune is called I'll Never... As a matter of fact, Frank Sinatra, um, the actual composer credit for that is Ruth Lowe and Frank Sinatra. He wrote that tune after his marriage broke down with Ava Gardner. And the tune, I'll Never Smile Again, was played by John on alto saxophone. Then we brought in Richard Williams to play um, a complex uh, John Handy composition called Quote, Unquote. And then we moved to uh, John back on the tenor saxophone again for uh, a blues, and the title track of the album, Blues in a Vernacular. And the final tune was, I think, John's, one of his most charming compositions, dedicated to his first wife, Bunky, and the tune was entitled, Dance to the Lady. So there you go, from this uh, rather elusive uh, album called In the Vernacular, John Handy, his very first under his own name recorded in New York City. Well, speaking of friends, um, I guess you've gathered by now that John Handy and I have been <laughs> very good friends uh, since first uh, first meeting. I guess it was, 19, it was 1964, very early 1964. And um, we became great friends right from the get-go. And another good friend of mine is up next, this time a piano player who was originally born in New Zealand, but he now considers himself an Australian. And, of course, he worked for many years in the United States. He, was, he came here on a scholarship to the Berkeley School of Music and played with um, Yusef Latif, uh, Mingus, all kinds of people, and also with John Handy. And um, he and I are very good friends, and we still communicate to this day. Uh, he's a resident of Australia and one of the mainstays of the jazz scene down there. And uh, his name <laughs> is Mike Nock. And uh, this is his working trio. These are all Australian musicians. Uh, the funny thing about Mike Nock is that um, I know that he was born in in New Zealand, and, and I remember bringing this up to him one time because he refers to himself as an Australian, and um, that's it. And I said, yeah, but Mike, you were born in New Zealand. He said, I don't talk about that. He said, I'm an Australian, man. That's, that's it. 
no ifs, ands, or buts. So whatever his reasons, he is an Australian. So don't mess with Mike Knock. <laughs> anyway, we're going to hear two tunes recorded um, in Australia at the Sound Lounge with his uh, Australian trio with uh, the two um, uh, Waples brothers, Ben Waples on bass and James Waples on drums. These guys are brothers. And we're going to hear two compositions. One that I love is the opening one. Uh, it's called Elsewhen. And um, that's a beautiful piece of music. And then we're going to play one written by Gigi Grice. And it's called The House of Blue Lights. As you can imagine, it's a blues. So here then, two pieces by the great pianist Mike Nock.
Recorded live in Australia, that was pianist Mike Down Mike Downs Mike Knock, spelt M N O C K, no K. It's N O C K, and um, that was recorded at uh, I forget the the name of the club, the Sound Lounge in Sydney, Australia, and that was uh, Mike's Australian quartet with uh, Mr. Nock on piano and the Waples brothers, Ben on bass and James on drums. And we heard two compositions. The first one was by Mike Nock entitled Else When, and the second tune was uh, composed by Gigi Grice, the American alto saxophonist, and that was called The House of Blue Lights. Gigi Grice. I know some rock and roller made it tune called The House of Blue Lights, but it, it had nothing to do with this. But um, rock and roll sometimes has appropriated uh, ideas from jazz. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, rock and roll being more popular, everyone thinks that the rock and roll thing got there first. Very often it was the jazz stuff that got there way first. That, that happened quite a bit. Anyway, that's another story. We're going to continue now with a birthday Another Aquarian and a great favorite of mine, a gentleman named Pony Poindexter, Norwood Dexter, uh, Poindexter. But Pony, of course, he was known as, he was a character. And he was originally from New Orleans, and then he moved to San Francisco and became part of the San Francisco jazz scene for many, many years. But he had uh, a long uh, experience in different uh, big bands. He played in Lionel Hampton's band, played with Stan Kenton. Um, he had quite a history uh, in the music. And um, as I said, he was a character and um, a little flaky and uh, a little unreliable, but uh, a great musician. And uh, eventually moved to uh, Europe in the 60s 
and traveled all over, recorded over there, and became kind of legendary over there. And then his second home, of course, was Oakland, California, and that's when Pony came back and, and passed away there. But a uh, great musician, and it's his birthday today, so th- we're going to pay a small tribute to Pony Poindexter. Um, he was born in 1926, and he died April 14th uh, in 1988. And, of course, he traveled with uh, the great vocal groups, Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross, as well. Uh, that was when he, he got quite a, a national profile because they were an immensely popular group. And uh, Pony, of course, was always around, in, as I said, in the Bay Area. This is an album that he recorded um, with Booker Irvin on tenor saxophone. We're going to hear Booker on here, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone from Texas. Uh, Pony is heard on alto and soprano saxophones. And on some tunes, Al Gray on trombone is going to join the band. And a wonderful rhythm section uh, with Gildo Mahoney's on piano, who was the pianist with Lambert Hendricks and Ross for years. Uh, George Tucker, who we heard with John Handy on bass. And Jimmy Smith, nothing to do with the organ player. Different Jimmy Smith. Uh, he played with Lambert Hendricks and Ross, too, on drums. And all of this was recorded in 1963. And for prestige records. So we're going to hear a bunch of tunes, uh, all composed, most of them. um, As a matter of fact, we're just going to play the Pony Poindexter compositions. And a lot of these are kind of dedicated to his hometown of New Orleans. So um, the first tune is called Front of Town. And then the second tune is called The Back of Town. And tune number... Six is called Muddy Dust, and tune number eight is called Gumbo Filet. So those are the, uh, or tune number, <laughs> not eight, I, 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 uh, I'm reading them off the album. So Front of Town will be number one, Back of Town will be number two, Muddy Dust will be number three, and Gumbo Filet will be number four. Four tunes uh, written by Pony Poindexter and dedicated to uh, his great sound on uh, both alto and soprano saxophone. So enjoy the music of Mr. Poindexter. It's his birthday today. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed our small tribute to uh, a rather unsung saxophonist who I always loved. His name is Pony Poindexter. He died in 1988 and had a, a, a pretty illustrious um, illustrious career in music. And uh, he was born in New Orleans and, of course, went on to play with Lionel Hampton, Stan Kenton, a whole bunch of bands, settled in San Francisco and for many, many years and was a mainstay of the um, really uh, terrific San Francisco jazz scene in the, uh, in the 50s, and then uh, hit the road uh, with Lambert Hendricks and Ross and starred with them for many years and then eventually went to Europe for a number of years and recorded and was, became a, a mainstay over there and then returned to uh, Oakland, California, where he 
um, his health had broken down and he, he passed away. But a great player and very, very respected player as well. And he was a bit of a flaky character, but a, a wonderful character too. Uh, someone that um, uh, you could um, like very much. Uh, he, was, he was quite a charmer. And, uh, you know, a little bit of a con man here and there, but, uh, you know, nothing, nothing heavy. Uh, that was just his, his character. And he was born today in 1926, so he's an Aquarian, which I appreciate because I'm an Aquarian too. <laughs> we got to stick together. Anyway, um, Pony, whose real name was Norwood Poindexter, um, actually, uh, yeah, Neil Hefty, uh, the great composer, wrote a tune uh, for Pony, and it was played by the Count Basie Band, and it was called Little Pony, and because uh, he was a diminutive, uh, very high-energy man and uh, uh, talked a blue streak. Um, anyway, whatever, Pony Poindexter. So we heard a bunch of tunes from this Prestige album recorded in 1963 with some great people um, involved here. The pianist was uh, one of my favorites, uh, underrated guy, Gildo Mahoney's, and on bass, George Tucker, and on drums, Jimmy Smith. Uh, no relation at all, nothing to do with the organ player, Jimmy Smith. And on several tracks, we heard uh, trombonist Al Gray. And it wasn't until the last um, uh, one of the tunes that we heard Booker Irvin join the band on tenor saxophone. Phony Poindexter played both alto and soprano saxophone on these tunes. And the first uh, four were all compositions by... Mr. Poindexter, dedicated to his hometown of New Orleans. So the first one was called Front of Town, the second one was Back of Town, and the third one was Muddy Dust, and then we heard um, with a, a chant from the band uh, where Booker Irvin took Al Gray's place in the band on tenor saxophone, and we heard Gumbo Filet. And then the final tune I added to the selection was a standard, the only standard on the tune, and that's the great classic uh, blue and sentimental. It's a, a great favorite of many musicians, and it was written by Basie. At least Basie was one of the composers of that tune. All right. We have a few things to uh, tell you about, beginning with uh, a couple of messages that... Uh, you will hear at this moment. I'd just like to tell you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR, FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. We're here every Monday night, and we start at 9. Our jazz feature is always first up on the show, and uh, then we get into other things, and we go on to uh, after midnight. So um, glad to have you aboard, as my good friend John Orsick would say, and We'll be back in just a moment. Do you like Friends? Well, we like you, so become a member and get a Friends of CITR card. Not only does it make you special, but it gets you all kinds of deals with our friends at UBC and the West Side, like Australian Boot Company, Dentry's Pub, The Bike Kitchen, Limelight Video, and more. Visit CITR.ca for more or come check us out in the next. Discorder Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, Discorder lives. 
your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater, check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. We're going to have some really nice weather. We had a beautiful day today. It was clear. Um, tonight is clear with uh, some fog patches, of course, uh, this time of year with a low of plus three. gets a little cool, but that's okay. Tomorrow's going to be absolutely beautiful. Really uh, spring weather for, uh, predicted for tomorrow with a low of three in the morning. Then it's going to warm up until uh, to 13, and um, it's quite a, a wonderful uh, Going to be a wonderful day tomorrow. Then uh, Wednesday, um, <laughs> we're back to showers with a low of 4 and a high of 11. Thursday, showers again with a low of 9 and a high of 11. And then Friday, rain, I guess, which is a little heavier than showers, right, with a low of 9 and a high of 11. Then um, on Saturday, I guess a little bit of a respite, uh, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower, low of 5 and high of 9. And then Sunday, uh, back to rain with a low of 5 and high of 9. And that's, that's about it. Uh, that's the weather picture for the week. And, of course, um, I'd like to tell you about a couple of great websites. One of them is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And that is an important website. There's all kinds of links on there, including... Uh, links to all the up-and-coming concerts, the Winteruption Festival down on Granville Island, uh, Frankie's, um, the nightclub, um, Frankie's Italian Kitchen down on Beattie Street that has a lot of jazz happening. Uh, it's all backed by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. These are the people that bring you the big jazz festival every year. And that is a great comprehensive website. You can make reservations on there. You can buy tickets. You can see the schedule. You can plan your, uh, your time, what you want to do, all that kind of stuff. It's a most convenient website, and that's coastaljazz.ca. The second website uh, that I always mention, of course, is put together by my old friend Brian Nation. And Mr. Nation, of course, one of the mainstays of uh, Vancouver jazz scene, and a great character in his own right, but he does has this website, which is wonderful, called VancouverJazz.com. And uh, there's always links there, new information on there all the time. Our jazz features are on there, the musicians' biographies, all sorts of uh, good stuff on VancouverJazz.com. So those are two links, CoastalJazz.ca and VancouverJazz.com. And, of course, the other person I like to mention is my good friend Ken Speller, who will be playing this Thursday at Frankie's. So you get a chance to hear him play with his uh, uh, quartet at uh, Frankie's Italian Kitchen. 
Uh, he's got a gig there, and, and uh, on the 13th, which is um, um, not the 13th, I think it's uh, Thursday is the 11th, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, <laughs> whatever. It's this Thursday anyway. I can't think of the, the day for some reason. I'll just have to look that up on my calendar. But um, Ken will be playing there, and I just want to tell you a little bit about Ken. Um, he is um, a great musician, plays the saxophone, and also teaches. Yeah, February 11th. Thank you very much, <laughs> calendar. Um, yeah, this Thursday, Ken Speller will be playing at Frankie's Italian Kitchen. So get down there if you can. You go on the uh, uh, Coastal Jazz and Blues uh, uh, site and uh, make a reservation if you'd like. You got to hear this guy. He's not well known in Vancouver yet, but he is known as um, a music teacher. Uh, he comes to your house and and uh, and teaches you. You just phone him up and uh, make an appointment, and he teaches saxophone, flute, clarinet, all the woodwinds, and uh, comes to your house and does it. So he uh, his business is called Music at Home, but he's also a wonderful repairman, and saxophones are always in need of repairs. Um, tune, uh, tune-ups, tweaks, pads falling out, springs breaking, all that sort of stuff. Clarinets, same way, flutes. Uh, he does them all. And he doesn't charge you an arm and a leg because his workshop is right in his home. So he keeps his prices very, very reasonable. And he's located in the 13th and Lonsdale area of North Vancouver. Uh, he can be reached by telephone 778 800 1933 1933 or email them. K Speller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R-14 at yahoo.ca. K Speller14 at Alright, I'm gonna switch to some music. Now, I love this stuff. I hope you do too. This is Interesting. I it this is to me unclassifiable music. I don't know whether this is classical music or, or I should say modern classical music or jazz, because the music is written by a jazz artist and played on the clarinet by a great jazz artist. Um, the music is very different. It's very moody and very. Um, very strange. I always think of this music as um, when I listen to this music. I, I don't want to impose my uh, my thoughts on this, but I I think of somebody. I think of the clarinet uh, here as as an astronaut who has just landed on a very strange planet. And he's looking around. The sky is totally different. The everything is everything is different. There's nothing that's that's um, uh, familiar. And 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 he he's very gingerly um, looking around and beginning to uh, look around this this very very strange uh, strange planet. And this is kind of what this music reminds me of. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to play it for you, and I've been meaning to do this for a long time. And as I said, it's unclassifiable. It's it's neither jazz nor is it modern classical music. It's just interesting music written by Jimmy Jufri, the great clarinetist who plays on here, and, and he wrote all the string parts for the um, Sudwest Funk 
um, string orchestra of Baden-Baden in Germany. And this was recorded uh, way back in March of 1959. And it's, as I said, a very kind of strange, haunting music. And we're going to listen to this piece, which is called simply um, uh, Composition for... um, Hang on. All it is, is it's called uh, Peace for Clarinet and String Ensemble, and the subtitle is Mobiles, and we're going to hear that in its entirety. There's uh, a bunch of movements, and uh, just sit back and enjoy this stuff. It's quite haunting, fascinating music written by Jimmy Jufrey.
Some music written out of the amazing imagination of clarinetist Jimmy Jufrey, of course, one of our great jazz musicians. And as I said, it's uncategorizable music. Um, it can be modern classical. It, 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 it does have elements of improvisation in it. It's just music. And I've always found this uh, music haunting and uh, and fascinating, and I thought I'd uh, I'd share it with you. I've been meaning to play this for a long time on the jazz show because you're not likely to hear it anywhere else, and um, not even on a, a so-called classical music program. Um, so I just thought I'd share it with you, and and I hope you enjoyed the um, the music and the mood that it set. It's called uh, simply "Peace for Clarinet and String Orchestra," and the uh, orchestra is the um, from Baden-Baden, West Germany, um, well, was West Germany, uh, and uh, it's the uh, Sudwestfunk Orchestra of Baden-Baden. 
and uh, Jimmy Jufri, of course, played the clarinet and um, did all that kind of stuff. So we heard uh, a whole group of uh, movements from this piece, Piece for Clarinet and String Orchestra, Jimmy Jufri. Kind of haunting, haunting music. And uh, as I said, uh, my my uh, analogy to uh, the clarinetist, the sound of the clarinet sound reminds me of an astronaut who landed on a strange planet, and he's looking at all these weird and wonderful things around and, and wondering what it's all about. Um, that's kind of the thing that, it, the image that it conjures up in my head. Not all the time, just uh, at certain times. I just thought I'd, I'd share that with you. I hope you enjoyed it in your way. All right, here's a recording that um, we're going to hear three tunes from a recording, a live recording done at the legendary New York Jazz Club where Charlie Parker played, all kinds of people, Blakey's Jazz Messengers, uh, all kinds of people played there. It was uh, um, in Greenwich Village in New York, and it was really, um, at the time, in the mid-1950s, was uh, one of the leading jazz clubs in New York, other than Birdland. And it's the Cafe Bohemia. That's, that, this is where all the, the hipper young guys hung out. And uh, there were lots of recordings recorded uh, or done at the Cafe Bohemia. Mingus played there a lot. Um, and all, all kinds of people, as I mentioned. This is pianist George Wallington. And one of the great little bands that, that he led. Wallington was one of the very first pianists uh, and he worked with Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker in the early days. He was one of the first pianists to really play modern piano. And uh, Wallington is really a, a little bit of a, a minor jazz pioneer. He didn't become as well-known as, say, Bud Powell or Thelonious Monk, but he is certainly there, a great piano player. And um, he was born in Italy and raised in the United States. And uh, um, his name is George Figlia. But he, uh, he changed his name to Wallington, anglicized it. And he put together a wonderful band of young guys um, that were coming on the scene in New York. Just arrived from Detroit, trumpet, trumpet player and trumpet star Donald Byrd. And on alto saxophone, someone who had been away for a couple of years at school came back to New York and was already starting to uh, be, become one of the leading alto saxophonists around New York, Jackie McLean. So Donald Byrd and Jackie McLean, and this is the first band that they, they played together, and of course they associated with one another off and on over the years. On bass, uh, again a newcomer to New York City from Detroit, and he was about to join Miles Davis's first great quintet, bassist Paul Chambers. And on drums, one of the great New York drummers and sought after by everybody, Arthur Taylor, Art Taylor. So that's the personnel of the band, and uh, this recording uh, reflects their thinking and their playing, and I think you're going to enjoy these three tunes. We open with a tune um, that was written uh, by, uh, it's, it's a show tune, and uh, it features the whole band, and I'm just trying to find the composer of the tune, because it was well-known, uh, it's a tune called Johnny One Note. And uh, that's the opening tune, and it was written by, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of the composers. Oh, well, uh, but the composers are Rodgers and Hart. 
And, of course, it, it was a bit of a show tune, but it was perfectly suited to a jazz group. And just check out Arthur Taylor on here. Some of, the, some of his finest drumming and most well-recorded drumming is on this track. Uh, the second tune is a George Wallington composition called Sweet Blanche and dedicated to his wife. And the tune number three is a Jackie McLean composition that was, uh, had just been recorded by Miles Davis in a great tune called Minor March. So these three tunes from this uh, September 9th, 1955, live date at the Cafe Bohemia in New York City. And here we go.
Well, we took you back to the Cafe Bohemia in New York City, one of the uh, leading jazz clubs of its day, September 9, 1955, and a great band put together by pianist George Wallington. And, of course, he brought in a whole group of um, really fine young musicians that were just really getting started in their career. Wallington was sort of the older, elder statesman, and um, he brought in trumpeter Donald Byrd, who had just arrived from Detroit uh, in, to New York. Uh, and Donald, of course, went on to become one of the leading voices of the trumpet. Jackie McLean on alto saxophone, of course, was uh, from New York City, but he had been away for a couple of years studying in uh, his parents. had sent him down south to school, and he had returned to New York and, of course, was beginning to assert his presence on the city. Jackie McLean on alto. And from Detroit once again, a wonderful bass player who went on to play many, many years with Miles Davis, Paul Chambers, and one of the great bass players of all times. And from New York City, one of the great drummers and so well recorded on this set, Art Taylor on drums. And you could hear all his little intricacies and his really fast cymbal ride. So we heard three tunes here, uh, beginning with Rogers and Hart's Johnny One Note, and we went to George Wallington's composition called Sweet Blanche. And the final tune was Jackie McLean's great tune called Minor March. All right. That's about it for the jazz show. I'd like to play you one more tune. We're going to go to West Montgomery for our final tune. But uh, before we do that, I'd just like to thank you uh, for being out there this evening and hope that you enjoyed the show. And uh, those of you that uh, joined um, in the middle, fine. Those of you that uh, were here from the beginning, that's cool, too. Anytime. Uh, we're here from 9 every Monday from 9 p.m. until after midnight right here at CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. Here's Wes Montgomery from his album, So Much Guitar. And the great Mr. Montgomery with Hank Jones at the piano, Ron Carter on bass, Lex Humphreys on drums, and Ray Barreto on conga drums. This is Wes's tune, and it's called The Twisted Blues.
Wes Montgomery from an album called So Much Guitar. And we heard Wes with Hank Jones on piano, Ron Carter on bass, Lex Humphreys on drums, and Ray Barreto on conga drums, recorded in uh, 1961 in New York City for Riverside Records. And that was Wes's composition called The Twisted Blues. And so ends another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. Next week, our jazz feature is a classic album, again, relating to Black History Month, which is, of course, the month of February. And we're going to be listening to Miles Davis, Miles Davis's version of the great opera written by the Gershwins, Porgy and Bess. And uh, that's an instrumental version, of course, of the melodies from that uh, great opera. Uh, featuring, as always, uh, a cast of uh, African-Americans. And it was, uh, it was a pioneer um, musical. And, of course, uh, over the years has been done by many, many musicians. Miles Davis's version is particularly unique because the orchestration uh, Miles playing is, is outstanding on it, of course. And the orchestration uh, is directed by a Canadian, Gil Evans. And uh, it's one of the true Miles Davis classics. So Porgy and Bess next week on The Jazz Show. I'd like to thank you again for being out there on behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and CITR right here, out here at the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory. And uh, we will see you in seven days. Take care. Bye-bye.
Bye. <laughs> 